We're glad that you're here. You, you know, um, I, I'm in a good space myself right now. I, I, I had a couple of really good meetings with uh, some men who pour into my life on a regular basis just this past week. And, and you know, one of, they both asked this question, how is everything going? And whenever anybody asks me that question, I go, how is everything going? Well, I can't answer that because everything is not always going well, right? We always, I would imagine as I look out at you, you all have some things that are going pretty well and others that you're like, ah, not so good. You know, that's how life is, right? I think a better question for us, especially as we are are in genuine relationships, is, is how are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, because how we're doing doesn't necessarily reflect how everything is, you know. And, and for the believer, I, I do believe that the Lord wants us to be in a space where if, when somebody says, how are we doing, we can say, well... I might be struggling here, I might be struggling, but God is going to sense his presence. And I pray this morning, amen, I pray this morning that however you are doing right now, by the end of this time, you're saying, you know, God is good. He's with me, he's for me, and the circumstances of your life may not have changed, but you're sensing the nearness and the presence of the living God who is for you, who loves you with an everlasting love. Who fills you to overflowing, where what he's doing in you, you cannot contain. And so when somebody says, why don't you keep it to yourself? You say, I can't. I can't. This is the message series we've been going through over the last few weeks. I've called it, why not keep it to yourself? Because, you know, when we... As Sam said, you know, I'm going to be teaching this, this course, this, I wouldn't call it a workshop. It's going to be an interactive workshop on the 7th that, that, you know, we are oftentimes in a place where we either don't feel like I'm equipped to do this or we've tried it and maybe somebody has said, why not keep it to yourself? And so we felt a sense of rejection. It didn't work for me. So you stopped sharing your faith, but you know, if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, this is not an option for the believer. When Jesus left this planet, he left us with what we call the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth is being given to me. Listen up, he's saying. Therefore, as you are going, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then that precious promise, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we've been talking over these last few weeks about how do we participate in this great commission? Is it only for, you know, clergy, so-called clergy? To, no, it's, it's for each of us. And it's a blessed joy that God has provided that we could be participating with him in the greatest mission on earth. That you and I, ordinary people, can be involved in God's mission for this planet. You know, there's a, a statement I heard many years ago, and I believe it. It's this. A great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment will make us a great church. And today I want to talk about the great commandment. Now, many of you know why that is, but we're going we're gonna to be reading from Matthew 22 in just a moment. If, if you could stand for the reading of God's word, we're going to do that. And then uh, I, I want to speak from that a little bit and how it relates to this 
this gospel mandate that we have, this, this uh, mission that God has given us to, to, to tell others this good news of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Matthew 22, beginning at verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The word of the Lord. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I know that this is a passage that many of us who have walked with you have heard many times over. But I pray today, God, that you would illuminate it. That God, through this fallen human vessel, Lord, that this word would impact us in a way that we cannot keep this gospel ourselves. That we would be motivated to tell others of your great love for us. Fill us this morning. Holy Spirit, descend upon each and every one of us. We come against the evil one who wants to snatch his word. We rebuke him in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, would you fill this place right now? Would you come in power and do what only you can do? Change our hearts. Conform us to the likeness of Jesus. Motivate us to serve you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, please be seated. A, a little bit of context for us here. So, so <laughs> the Sadducees and the Pharisees were the, 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 the teaching council of the day. These were the teachers of the law. Now, the, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> <laughs> they were the Sadducees, and, and, and Jesus had just finished rebuking them. Uh, they were asking him, testing him about, you know, what happens if a woman is married, and then she dies, and, and her husband dies, and then she marries his brother, and he dies, and his other, and he goes on and on. In, in, in heaven, you know, who, whose husband will she be? Now, these are... are those who don't even believe that there's a resurrection, but he, they're messing with Jesus. So he looks at them and says, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? He's the God of the living, not of the dead. Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob before the Lord are alive. This is, who, this is the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this, these are the patriarchs. This is whom Israel came out. The name Jacob is Israel. And so they are rebuked, and they kind of cower back. And so the Pharisees now, okay, okay, they, they've been silenced. But so the Pharisees did believe in the resurrection, and so they test him. That's the context of all this. You know, do you really know what God's law is? Because they had created their own laws around God's laws. And so Jesus summarizes it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Love God. That's what it is. You'll see that when you walk through the doors of our lobby, the first thing you see as part of our, uh, our vision is that we would be a place that is where we are loving God. Loving God. That, that's the first commandment. 
But then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, what he's saying is that you can't say you love God, but not love people. It's, it's, it's fine to have, uh, uh, to come into the gathering of believers. You hear your favorite praise song and your heart wells up with emotion. That's fine. I love that myself. I, I'm, I'm in that space often. I'm oftentimes in that space where I'm just quiet before the Lord and, and I'm trying to quiet and still my heart. And involuntarily, I shout, Hallelujah! I love you, Lord. It's fine to, to have an, an experience before the living God, but what God is really saying to us is that I can't say that I love him and behave in this fashion, but I don't love people. The way I express my love to God is by loving people. So he says the second is like it. It's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law, there are lots of laws, and, and the, the, the prophets you read through the Old Testament, and you see the, that God sends prophets to his people to, to, that they would return to him. He, he chose a nation called Israel, and Israel sometimes was very, very prideful, and the prophets would say, God didn't choose you because you're any special, better than anybody else. He chose you for his glory. You're a stubborn and stiff-necked people. But I, I chose you that you would be a light to the Gentiles. That was their purpose. There's lots of laws. Lots and lots of laws. He says, it's summed up this way. Love God, love people. That's it. Love God and love people. So as we have been going through this message series, why not keep it to yourself? You know, we've talked about the importance of recognizing with God being the one who's truly the evangelist, God being the one who draws people to himself, God being the one who changes a human heart. You and I can't do that. I'm very, very cognizant of the fact that as I stand here on a Sunday morning, I, I want to speak God's word to you as clearly as I can. I try to pray and have others praying for me that, that the words spoken would, would be words of life, words of encouragement, words that would, would help us to understand that God wants to do a, a mighty work in each one of our lives. But I am very aware that I can't change you. But God can. And we can't change our neighbors and we can't change our loved ones. We can't do any of that. But God nonetheless invites us to participate and to be a mouthpiece for him. So, so God is the evangelist. That's where we began. We, we, we started talking about the, the gospel mandate that this is not optional for us. We have to do this. But that God ultimately is doing it. That, that ought to free us to say, this is, this is not on me. God, this is your work. You, you, you are doing this. So what does that mean? That means that, well, my chief responsibility, where I start with all this, is on my knees. I pray. I pray, God. I enter into the presence of the Lord, and I, I lift up those who God has placed in my life. And by faith, I'm believing that if you're in my life, I said this, I think, last week. If you're in my life, if God has brought you to be in my sphere, if you know Jesus... It's all about fellowship, mutual encouragement, building up one another. If you don't know Jesus yet, it's all about you coming to know Jesus. So I have two relationships in life. It's fellowship and witnessing. It's either you were, you were in the kingdom together or you're going to come into the kingdom. 
And this is why I call anybody God brings into my life, I, I just call him a pre-Christian. Now, I know that's hopeful thinking because God allows us choice. Not everybody is going to come to faith. I, I know that. But I just can't help but believe, God, if you've brought them in my life, if you, they're my friend, my relative, my associate, my neighbor, my coworker, if they're in my life, it's either fellowship or witness. And if they're there, I, I'm praying with you because God's will is that all would come to, come to salvation. I'm, I'm going to believe him. So that gives me a freedom that, 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 that even as I know that there's more to this process and more that God wants me to be involved in, it starts with me on my knees, with me praying, God, do a mighty work. I gave you the outline last week. I'll give it to you right now. The process of evangelism, it's prayer, care, and that's what we're talking about today. Next week, we're going to talk about share. How, how do I speak these words of life to people? And then P.S., hang in there. <laughs> you got to hang in there. It's a process. And for most, well, I, would, I don't know. I don't, each person is different. God is doing different work in different people. But for some people, it might be a few months. It might be a few days. And in the case of some people in my life, it, we're talking decades. They haven't come to the Lord yet, but I'm believing God for it. So it's a process. And we, 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 we rest in it, but we don't give up. So we pray. Now, let's talk about the, the, the importance today of what, what love has to do with this whole gospel. Uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians these words. This is his second letter. You know, we talked about in the first letter how, you know, he was, it was basically a letter of rebuke. We call it 2 Corinthians. It's probably actually his third letter that he's writing to them. But he says these words. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Christ's love compels us. You, you know what that is saying to you and to me? That as I ponder this good news, the gospel, that Jesus Christ, God, the second person of the Godhead, became incarnate. He came into space and time and lived. He came as a baby, a human being, and he lived a real life of about 33 years, died, proved that all the signs and wonders that he was performing were just, a, a, again, a pointing that he was truly God in the flesh. The greatest sign we see is that he was raised from the dead on the third day. And hundreds of people saw that. Hundreds of people saw him alive. And we ponder that and we go, Jesus, you died for me? God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, and I don't know about you, but, but when I start to look at myself, even after 30 years of walking with Jesus, uh, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not as bad as I was, but I'm not as good as God's going to make me. <laughs> but I look at myself and I see my sin, and it's more apparent to me now, even though from a... a purely natural perspective it seems like it's less but but I see it more clearly because I see God more clearly now and I go you love me Jesus and he says absolutely totally and he loves you totally perfectly you can't make God love you more did you know that right now no matter what you've done or what you're doing or wherever you are 
how you might have misbehaved before God. And then tomorrow you're walking in full power of the Holy Spirit. You know, God doesn't love you more tomorrow than he loves you right now. His love for you is perfect. Nothing can separate you from his love. Absolutely nothing. But as we receive that love, and we are called to receive it, God says, I want you to know my love. I want you to know it. This, this is Paul's prayer for so many of the churches he writes to, that they would know the height and depth and breadth of his love, and that love that surpasses even description. We, we can't even begin to describe it, that he, you and I are so absolutely and lavishly loved by the Father. When, when you really know that, how in the world can we keep it to ourselves? I can't, I, I, we, we, we should overflow with it. And so, so the starting point with all this is really to receive it. Don't doubt his love for you ever. I mean, I've talked to so many Christians, people who do know Jesus, who go, well, I guess don't live up. You know, God can't love me. And it's like, that's a lie from the enemy. He's a liar. You are beloved. Now, it's, I think it saddens God when we don't, understand that because he will you know any of us who are good parents you love your kids you love your grandchild like I do if, if they were to say to you you don't love me and you know you do how does that make you feel so I think I think it does hurt the heart of God when we go oh God doesn't love me no he's like no I do he absolutely does and when you know that when you do know that it compels us he says it compels us. It's our motivation. I can't keep this to myself. I really can't. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that once died for and therefore all died. And they jump down to verse 16. says, so from now on, now, now that I, I know this love that compels me, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So when you see that person as you're walking down the aisle in Kroger, that looks all rough. Or you're walking down the streets of Columbus and you see someone who's clearly without a home. Or you see somebody in, you know, in, in one of the high-end neighborhoods of Dublin and they've got everything that they have and they've got, you know, Benzes and Porsches and all of that. You regard no one from a worldly point of view. In other words, you don't, you don't, you don't put people on a, on, a, on, a, on a status of high or low or anything like that because that's not how God sees us. God sees us as broken vessels whom he happens to love. Absolutely. And so when we see people with spiritual eyes, no longer seen from a, a, a natural perspective, or as he says here, a worldly point of view, then we understand this person that is in front of you needs Jesus like everybody else does. Like you do, that we do, everybody does. And we're not fooled by outward appearances. Jesus writing to his people, as part, this is part of what was, was called the, the Sermon on the Mount. We've talked about that recently. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it in a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. That makes sense, right? If you have a light, you know, it's hard for us maybe to relate to that here in, you know, first world America where we assume every light is going to turn on. But I grew up in Jamaica where it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon for, 
you know, on, a, on an evening, all of a sudden, all the power just goes off. And it's nighttime. <laughs> and we're lighting candles. We're lighting lamps. Just to br- no, no, it, when you light that candle, when you light the lamp, you don't cover it up, right? What would be the point? No, it, it's intended to, to, to light up, to illuminate. And he says, now, you know, you're the light of the world, so you don't hide it. You don't hide it. And then he says in verse 16 now, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Paul writes in Ephesians that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us just to walk in. He's prepared them, so just walk in it. We're called to let our light shine. You have permission to let your light shine. Now, no, no. Elsewhere, you know, it tells us the balance of this is that I don't do it so people look at me. I'm not. Do, I'm not doing good works to to get the pat on the shoulder. I I do this because I want to bring glory to God. I want to point people to Jesus. God is a good God, so we're looking for this. So, 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 what what do we do with this? Well, as I said, the starting point is know that you are loved. Absolutely, know that. Don't doubt that. Allow God's love to, to fill you day by day. That you're overflowing with his love. That there's something inside you that says, I can't contain this, God. It, it, it's got to come out. So, so, so how do we take this then and apply this to the process of evangelism? The E word. Yes, yeah, sharing our faith. This is what we're talking about. But I would say the, the starting point is just to look for relationships. Look for them. And they're all around us. They're all around us. Now, um, you know, there have been many wonderful, wonderful ministries that have taught us methods of sharing our faith that God has used mightily. Uh, we're, you know, we're walking up to strangers and talking to them. And I've done a lot of this myself and I've seen food. As a matter of fact, I remember as a brand new Christian, I went out onto the streets with a friend of mine. And the first day we're doing this, a Saturday morning, uh, we're sharing with all kinds of people. We shared with nine people that day and two of them gave their lives to the Lord. And I said, that, that lit a fire in me. Okay, that lit a fire in me, that, that God wants to, to, to use even me, even in the lives of strangers. But for most of us, Talking to a stranger is going to seem a little awkward. But there are relationships all around us that God is saying, just look around. Look for them. They're right there. There's a story that's told in Mark chapter 5 where there's this, this man who is a demoniac. He's, he's filled with demons. We, we refer to him as we look back on the page of history as the Gerizim demoniac. I, 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 you know, as I'm thinking about it, I, I think that naturally there would be a fear as I would think about interacting with this guy. And everybody was afraid of him. And he had so much strength, he would just, they'd try to, to, to bind him. He'd tear up the, 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 the bindings. And, and Jesus approaches him. Jesus said, afraid of no demon. <laughs> we shouldn't be either, really. And he says, who are you? And, and the response is, we are legion, for we are many. And you, you, many of you know the story. He, he drives out these demons into, into a herd of pigs. They go into the, into the water and they drown. And the man is there in his right mind. And he's like, and people come and they see this man who they have known to be. They probably just thought he was crazy. 
and he's in his right mind. And they go, they're scared. <laughs> they want Jesus to leave. Okay? So this man, he, he, he's been freed. He just wants to follow after Jesus now. He just wants to go where Jesus wants to go. And, and here's what it says. As Jesus was getting to the boat, this is verse 18 of Mark 5. The man who had been demon's possessed begged to go with him. I want to go with you, Jesus. L listen to Jesus' response. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. It's, it's not that Jesus didn't have his followers and he called some to be with him. We, we know that, right? But he says to this man, just go home. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. We have people all around us in our homes, in our neighborhoods. You know, we talk about having a frank list, friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, coworkers. Make a list of those people and say, God, I, I want to make sure that I start with praying for them, but I'm looking for ways to care for them. We've got to start by looking for those relationships. I said this the last, I think, two weeks, and I, I want to, throughout, I'll say it again next week. I want to encourage us, church, Haven Community Church, that we would participate in bless every home. It was, it was uh, Elder Mike who, who shared this with me. It's, it's, it's a simple way for us to begin praying regularly for our neighbors. I get a daily email. That's real short. It, it highlights five of the neighbors around me. I just put in my address. It tells me who my neighbors are. And it gives a prayer prompt. And I just begin praying for each one of them. And then they, they also have ways of how you can uh, care for your neighbors and ways that you can share with your neighbors. But just start with that. To say, I'm looking for these relationships. Oh, the person next door, I didn't know their names. But now I do. I can start by praying for them. And maybe after now that I've known them, maybe I can go by and just say hello. And we'll talk some more about it. But, 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 but start just by looking for those relationships all around you. Ask God to open your eyes. They're there. Right beside us. The second thing that I think that we need to do, and it's really crucial in this day and age in America where we are living in a post-Christian culture where for many people, when they think of Christians, they think of um, hypocritical, judgmental, Bible-thumping, angry people. There's a stereotype out there of who we are. I'm very, very thankful that that's not been my experience in the body of Christ. I have I've been very blessed to have been around Christians who look like people who want to love and live for Jesus. You know, from, in every church I've been a part of, that's how it's been. But there, whenever there is a stereotype, there's a reason for the stereotype. And the next order of business first is to level those misconceptions. That's not how, what Christianity looks like. So what does that mean? I guess I, as I look for relationships, I've also got to enter into real relationships with people. I, I've got to develop relationships. Now, what, what we're talking about, again, in this process, I'm not saying, and I will never knock, going up to the stranger, talking to them, and finding those interests. Because if we, we walk with open eyes, those doors are going to open for us as well. But for many of us, what we will see is that this is a longer process than we may have imagined. It is the willingness to enter a relationship and to love people right where they are 
and to develop a relationship and to listen to people and not feel like we've got all the answers. I mean, even the day I gave my life to the Lord, I was telling somebody about this just this past week. And I, and I threw out a bunch of questions and this young man looked me straight in the eye and said, Brian, nobody has all the answers. And it just was so impactful to me. That here's a young man who knows Jesus, who's not pretending like he knows it all. I know enough to know this is real. This gospel is real. Nobody has all the answers. We need to learn to listen. To listen to people. And, and, and in the context of that, to live in ways that we don't compromise our faith, okay? We never ought to do that. I don't want to, just, just in order to be, you know, friendly with people, just to, to abandon the truth of the gospel. We never want to do that. We need to know what God's word says and how to live according to it. But Jesus talks about just loving people no matter what. And that was the life of Jesus, was it not? The one set of people that Jesus got really annoyed with were the teachers of the law who were just hypocritical. Right? We don't want we, the, the, the stereotype of the hypocrite is out there. And part of what we need to do is to, to just level those misconceptions, to show people that in real relationships we love people. And I, I know that I think I mention him all the time. He, he doesn't watch. But Michael, if you are watching, you know how much I love you. But my younger brother, Michael, likes to talk about how Christians are this and Christians are that. And I said, Michael, t tell me what your interaction with Christians have been like. And every Christian he knows, he said, well, they're different. <laughs> and that's how we should be, right? That we live in ways that, people, that, that our lives look attractive to people. That people can see our failings, that we don't have to pretend like everything's okay, that we can share our weaknesses with people. And they see, but the, in the middle of that weakness, you're strong. Where does that come from? Oh, open doors. Where does it come from? It comes from a God in heaven who empowers us to, to have a genuine joy in the midst of sorrow. It, it, it gives us this opportunity to to, to to, to, to speak words of life into other people's lives. If, if, if you have entered into a relationship and you're willing to listen to, to hear what another person's joys and passions are, how much they love the Buckeyes, and how much they get frustrated with the Columbus crew. My boys last 4-3 yesterday after being up 3-1 in the last minute. But you share these things. And it's just life, you know. It's life, Right? And then hopefully in that context, you get to talk about, here's what's really important to me. I got to tell you about my Jesus. I got to tell you about me. But you hear what I'm saying? It's looking for those relationships, leveling the misconception, letting people know that you're real, you're human, you have shortcomings and failings, but there's a God in heaven who's doing a good work in your life. Amen. Amen. Joe Aldridge, one of my uh, favorite authors from back in the day, he, he writes these words. He says, between the cross and the non-believer, there are about 15 caricatures. And so part of what we do is that we, we level those misconceptions. We let people know that we are real people who love a real God and are loved by a real God. It says, uh, there's, a, there's a, a passage now from uh, the, the, the book of Acts. 
uh, I know many of us are very familiar with it. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful depiction of the early church. It's, 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 the church is just getting going. It says in, in Acts 2 that they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. You just see them together, the, 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 the devotion. Everyone was filled with awe at the, the signs and the wonders performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together in common. And they, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. What a picture of what the church should look like. There shouldn't be need within the body of Christ. We should come alongside one another, care for one another. When I have a little bit extra to, to be able to pass it on. And, and it, it, when I have a need, that the need can be met through the body of Christ. You know, there have been people who have looked at that and said, that looks like communism. I said, you know, we're not, we're not asking our government to tell us to do this. We're doing this out because we love each other. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple course, courts, verse 46. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and doing what? Listen, listen to this now. And enjoying the favor of all the people. I... I, I I know that there is a spiritual battle here. But I am convinced that when we walk in the ways God has called us to walk, walk in, it's attractive. And, and a watching world would say, I want that. And it goes on to talk about the Lord is adding to their numbers daily because of this. Because they were living in a way that people are going, I haven't seen that kind of love anywhere else. I need this. They'll accept me. Right? Jesus says in the high priestly prayer of John, John chapter 7, this is the, the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the Bible. He's approaching the end of his ministry and he's praying to the Father. This, you know, I, of course, he, pray, he has lots of prayers in his life, but this is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. And he says, Father, may they love one another as we are loved, that the world may know that you sent me. You, you get that? He's saying that the love that we should express to one another would have a watching world go, I want a part of that. I want a part of that. So we level the misconceptions. We live in ways that are pleasing to God. We're not compromising our faith, but we are living in a way that says, this broken vessel is loved by God, and I love you because God has loved me so much. And, and so this, this would be the, ne the next step. The next step would be then to say, let's love beyond the expected. So we look for those relationships, we level misconceptions, and then we look beyond, we, we love beyond the, the expected. We, we step out of our comfort zones and we, we're willing to care for our neighbors in ways that just seem really strange to people, but invite them into relationship. Now we talked last week about the power of prayer. I think that one of the, 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 the sweetest ways we can love people is by praying for them. And I'm not just talking about in my prayer closet. I get my prayer prompts and I'm praying for five of my neighbors every day. I'm doing that and I want you to do it too. And by the way, if you do sign up for that, and I'm, I'm urging you to do so, mark yourself in there as uh, a part of Haven Community Church and also as a light in your neighborhood. So you show up so we can know who's praying for, for our neighbors. Because there's something about you know, the, the Spirit of God just softening the hearts of people that, 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 that allow for the, the, the proclamation of the Word to go forth with power. And then we're going to talk about that next week. But we love beyond that. But what I'm talking about here in, in praying for people is, yeah, I want you to do that in your prayer closets. But also looking for those 
times where you see your neighbor and you, you start up a conversation. And, and, you know, and what you will find is that as you are open with people and they're open with you, they'll, they'll share what's going on in their lives with you too. I'm, I'm thinking of my neighbor, John, who recently lost his dad. And, and, and I'm talking with him and, and I say, John, what's going on? And he says, tells me, you know, his father passed because he was wearing a suit, you know. And I was like, John don't wear no suits, you know. <laughs> and I said, John, can I pray for you right now, man? I, and, and what I do is, are you okay with me just laying hands on your shoulder? And I pray for him right then and there. I think that communicates God's love to people in powerful ways. So learn, learn to be bold in not saying, I'm going to pray for you, but just to pray for people right then and there. Look, look for ways to serve alongside people outside of the church. I, I, invite them. If you're serving, for example, at the Hope Center, invite them to come with you, to serve with you. To, to find ways to uh, not only serve them, but allow them to serve you. I can't tell you the numbers of, of projects I've worked with my neighbors and asked them, uh, hey, you're doing such and such and such. You know, as a matter of fact, this afternoon, I'm going to go serve with, with one of my neighbors. I'm going to help him build a pergola. <laughs> my wife wants me to build a pergola at our home. <laughs> I don't really want to build a pergola at my home. But, but I'm going to do that with my neighbor. This is, a this is a friend I'm reaching out to right now. Okay, I'm, I'm looking for ways to serve. But, but also to invite them to serve you. Hey, Mark, you know, I, 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 can I borrow your router here, man? I borrow tools from my neighbors all the time. People like to know that they can serve you also. Serve one another. So just find ways to, to love beyond the expected. To, to love beyond the expected. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, author Donald Potersky wrote these words. Costly caring is hard evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is not, you know, what we're talking about over these weeks, we're not talking about a program. We're not talking about technique. We're talking about a process in which God is working in and through us, that we yield to him, that, you know, as I said last week, when we understand evangelism to be the cooperation with the Holy Spirit, and others to bring a person one step closer to Jesus. What would it look like if we all decide we're going to do this? I'm cooperating with the Holy Spirit. God is doing a work in the lives of my neighbors, my friends. But I'm cooperating with my brothers and sisters here as well. So when you know this is the kind of place you can bring your friend who doesn't know Jesus yet, and you know that they're going to be loved on as soon as they step through these doors, because this is the kind of people we are. That, that when you have a, 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 a meeting that you're going to have with one of your friends, that you say, hey, I'm going to be meeting with my friend. They don't know Jesus yet, but would you pray for me? And we understand that this is not all on us. It's God working in and through us for his kingdom's sake. It's a beautiful thing. And I want to urge you again. Uh, Sam mentioned this at the beginning during the announcements. I, I am going to be doing a workshop on the 7th on 
one step closer. Again, the definition is I'm cooperating with the Holy Spirit and others to bring a person one step closer. It's a process, and it's okay for them to take a step. But we want to learn how we involve ourselves in it. And it's going to be interactive where you can ask questions. Hopefully you're hearing some things through these messages that you're going, I think I'm getting it, but I've got a question here. I got, what about this practical situation? Make sure you're part of that. Allow God to let you love people into the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you do love us so, so very much. Lord, teach us never to doubt that love, but to be filled to overflowing. Jesus, you died for us that we might have life. And I pray, God, that that message, that good news would so overwhelm us, that we would be so filled with your love, Lord, that it would compel us not to see people from a worldly perspective, but to to see people like you do with spiritual eyes, people who need you. I pray even this week, God, you to open some doors to show us just how to love somebody, how, how to care for a neighbor, how to demonstrate, even without our words. Lord, if you open the words and we're comfy with it, Lord, help us to speak those words. And Lord, I pray next week as we, as we conclude, not next week, week after next, when we conclude this series, oh God, that you would uh, really feel, help us to know that we can be equipped to do this. If you're here this morning, you've not yet yourself made a decision for Jesus. I hope you've heard the message that Jesus Christ loves you. He died for your sins. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And he wants you to enter into a love relationship with him. There's nothing that you can do to earn his love. He loves you, period. But you do have to receive it. If you've got questions on that, would you receive it even now? Or talk with one of us. We will help you to walk into that relationship. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence right now. We bless you. Amen.